0: This is KCLR's Bottom Line
1: with John Purcell.
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the South largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie.
2: Hello, good morning and welcome to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. This morning, thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours with The Breakfast Buffet. It's all business between now and 10 o'clock. As business and society face ever-changing COVID challenges, are you finding the going tough? We'll be joined by wellness coach Caroline Cunningham, who'll be giving us tips on how to maintain focus and make ourselves stronger in the face of the wide range of challenges we're all facing these days. The motor industry employs 1,600 people across Carlow and Kilkenny this morning we'll hear from two leading dealer principals about how 2021 has been for them and how they feel about the car market as we face 2022. And this week, the government announced the commencement of a dedicated rescue process for small companies. We'll speak to the minister responsible who will take us through the main provisions of the new scheme. But first, joining me to cast an eye over stories and issues of the last week is Tom Malloy, Director of Communications in Trinity College Dublin and former group business Editor for independent news and media, also Bloomberg bureau chief in Ireland in the past, and of course, formerly editor of the Kilkenny People newspaper. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, John. Yeah, now uh, been a busy week on the business front. Not a great week if you're running or you worked for Better.com, a US-based mortgage company. Tell us about that.
3: Well, this is this is a bit of an internet sensation, a bit of how not to do things. uh, a mortgage company, a mortgage broker, uh, virtual one, and the, the chief executive, the founder, Vishal Garg, he sacked 900 workers in a three-minute Zoom call. It looks like he's been sacked himself by the board, or he's at least taking time off uh, <laughs> from his role. But this is interesting. It's just, as usual. He just went too far. He seems to have got away with sacking people. Obviously, in America, it's, it's a little bit easier, as we all know. But then he went on an anonymous blog and started criticising the workers that he'd sacked, oh. saying they were only working two hours a week, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that that yeah. seems to be his problem here.
2: Yeah, that, really, I, I looked at a bit of it, and what struck me was that he, he was going on about how hard it was for him, not to mention about how hard it was for the workers. Um, but uh, we heard in the news there about the HSE and what they've learned from uh, their nightmare scenario where HSE uh, was hacked during the summer, I think it was. What do you think of that?
3: Well, I I, I heard Paul Reid talking about this report uh, yesterday. He said an interesting thing, which was that they were very eager to publish a very detailed report because he thought it would be a good warning to to other semi-states and, indeed, to the private sector. And I think he's right. I think we've all moved on from thinking that hacks are the result of carelessness or incompetence, uh, although, of course, that that plays a role. But really, we're all incredibly vulnerable. In fact, I think there's a big story today that... uh, that a huge vulnerability has been found in in the – I don't even really understand it – but in the, in the people who provide cloud services to companies like Amazon. In other words, according to the reports this morning, almost every business, every institution is vulnerable now, through no fault of their own. Mm. And that's the problem. There's just –
2: huge complexity here and yeah and it used to be the problem. case whereby uh, you know vulnerabilities uh, and so on would be only uh, impacting the big names the hse's or even the global corporations but what i'm always struck by is how whenever we discuss it on this program i hear of local instances afterwards so everybody is vulnerable in the internationalized global online world and
3: i i think a lot of people Choose not to talk about it for all kinds of obvious reasons. You know, financial services institutions, for instance, have no incentive to make us worry about our, our money, but they're, they're hugely vulnerable and often fall victim to, to these kind of attacks. You know, so in a way, it's better if we all get it out into the open mm. and, and, and start pooling information.
2: But huge lacks of regulation in that whole area as well, which is making everybody vulnerable. People talk about light-touch regulation uh, in financial services, but, uh, I mean, light-touch regulation in finance makes how the Internet is regulated look like stringent.
3: Yeah, although I saw a, a bank being fined the other day by the financial regulator quite a lot of money and it seemed a bit tough. You know, something's gone wrong. They presumably, you know, they, they, they definitely deliberately didn't set out to be uh, the victim of cybercrime. It's almost a bit like uh, finding somebody after they've been mugged. It's it's a hard one because, you know, I, I'm, I'm being slightly to here. But it it's it's uh, yeah, I'm mean, in two minds about this. I, I think anybody. Uh, and, and almost everybody does at some stage fall victim to a phishing attack or, or some kind of cyber attack.
2: Mm, let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Um, inflation, Tom, is a huge issue, and it's going to be something that uh, we're going to hear more of. And it's not something that many people in business at the moment have experienced in their lifetimes.
3: Yeah, even in the in the, in the headlines, there uh, you know the, the discussion about uh, fuel. Yeah, inflation in Ireland is, is running at a 20-year high. Inflation in the U.S. yesterday came in at 6.8%. That's pretty much a 40-year high. Wow. And that means that yep, yeah, most people in business will perhaps the older people in their 60s can remember inflation as a kind of a childhood thing, but most of us haven't experienced it. We don't really know what it means. We don't know how dangerous it can be. I mean, it's it, 6.8% is is amazing. Isn't it? If you have savings, to think that they're they were got to seven percent less at the end of the year than they were at the beginning the, the really interesting thing here is I think that there's been arguments for quite some time about whether inflation is now embedded in our in our system and it seems like more and more people are coming around to the view that that this is a real danger rather than a spike caused by temporary things like supply lines and so on and uh, more and more brokerages this week especially in the wake of the us figures started predicting two or three rate hikes next year. So 2022 could be, you know, we haven't had rate hikes for more or less since the financial crisis.
2: Mm, Which would be over uh, 10 years.
3: Which is over 10 years, exactly. This is all... We have to go back into history in a way to try and find a guide to Mm. to the future. But of course, those guides are never very
2: good. Yeah, and the COVID challenges continue, Tom, and it's been a tough couple of weeks. People in business are feeling uh, very battered. Implications for, you know, huge implications across Carlisle and where tourism is big. Um, It it seemed to be on the up, but like we're looking into an uncertain 2022, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, we certainly certainly, are. Although I, I, I was slightly surprised at the figures from Dublin Airport yesterday, they were were saying, uh, I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing a bit, but essentially they were saying about 1.2, 1.25 million people come into the airport over Christmas and it'll be about uh, 900,000, 40% less than normal. It's not too bad, but I I guess a lot of those people coming home are probably going to then stay at home and and, and not go out and and spend money and the boost that the local economy often gets from people over Christmas may be, may be considerably smaller and of course this uncertainty uh, it does all kinds of things like encourage people to shop online and so on That that, that isn't good for, for local economies by and large.
2: Yeah, interesting to see um, sell, 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 uh, one of the top stories in, in the Irish Times recently. Still opportunities for businesses and people disposing of businesses.
3: Yeah, I think, I think that's it'll be interesting at the end of the year that the business page has always published these figures that transaction values and, and i suspect we're going to have a kind of a record-breaking year and, and that's for all kinds of reasons but basically because there's a huge amount of cash looking for something other than very risky uh stocks to invest in or a flat bond market and uh, you know actually a good local story was um Last month, the sale of Campion Insurance by Jim Campion for around seventy million you know, shows what. Seventy, done. yeah, and Jim has yeah. been
2: on this program a number of times.
3: Yeah, fantastic guy. I remember him well from the Kenny People days. Somebody who, who worked hard, but you know,
2: not a not a huge business. Kind of quite, uh, quite an amazing valuation, really. Started and, and still headquartered in Orlingford. That's right, and uh, mm. seventy million. So
3: <laughs> it, a lot of this is happening, and it's quite, kind of quite under the radar because we're not really talking about doesn't fit the narrative at the moment but there's a whenever you have a crisis and the, the, the pandemic is clearly a crisis you often see a major shift in ownership mm. and i think we're seeing that in in all kinds of ways uh, and, and we're seeing especially in business people are people are cashing out they're, they're de-risking their lives and uh, seems and that's what dennis o'brien was yeah. saying.
2: yeah the time great time resignation time being matched by the great uh, de-risking perhaps
3: yeah, and I wonder, actually, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? It would be very interesting to to hear why Mr. Campion did it and whether it was part of a plan. And, of course, he reached 60. But, of course, like you say, the pandemic is forcing us all to reassess our priorities and, and what we want to do with the rest of our lives.
2: Yeah, well, Tom, that's a, a good note to end on. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And we look forward to chatting to you next year uh, on The Bottom Line. Happy New Year. Same to you, Tom. Thanks very much. That's Tom Malloy. Uh, They're giving us his uh, perspective on some of the headline stories and some of the business stories catching his eye over the last week. Coming up, we're going to be talking uh, to Minister Robert Troy about an important piece of legislation which became law during the week.
1: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Parcel. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants.
0: Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie
1: Wishing you a Merry Christmas. This is your Christmas station. KCL.
2: You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Persilis, just coming up to 21 and a half minutes after nine o'clock. Now, Christmas or not, experiencing difficulties is part and parcel of business life. And sometimes, however, businesses experience difficulties which are so bad that the very future of the business is at stake and the people running the business need time, space and forbearance to undertake restructuring if they are to survive. Now, up until now... The only option short of receivership was examinership, a court-led process which is expensive and beyond the reach of many small and medium-sized companies. Now, during the week, a new legislative act came into effect which seeks to simplify and reduce the costs for small companies in trouble. I spoke to Minister Robert Troy, the Minister of State responsible for company regulation at the Department of Trade, Enterprise and Employment yesterday. He's also responsible for the areas of trade promotion and digital. And before we discuss the new legislation, which came into effect on Wednesday last, I asked Minister Troy to comment on where business finds itself with the reintroduction of some COVID restrictions as we grapple with a surge in cases and the emergence of the Omicron variant.
1: Look at it, um, without doubt, it's not the end of the year that we had hoped for or that we had planned for uh, the new variant uh, and the need to introduce new uh, restrictions uh, has resulted in the need to reintroduce some of the business supports, and I think that was the right thing to do. From the very beginning, uh, this government has always ensured that businesses whose level of trade had been affected by uh, restrictions in the interest of public health uh, would be supported and uh, I think that was the right decision uh, and the decision announced by my colleagues, uh, Minister Pascal and Michael McGrath yesterday uh, once again demonstrated that the government will support business um, during these restrictions with the reintroduction of the wage subsidy, uh, you know, crisp uh, payment to help businesses uh, during this challenging time.
2: Trade promotion is an important part of your brief. Um, it must have been hugely impacted uh, by COVID. How how is that aspect of promoting Ireland overseas going?
1: That was one of the one of the issues. Were affected during the COVID said uh, the restrictions, the inability to um, go on international travel uh, resulted in the lack of trade promotional visits. And um, thankfully, towards the end of this year and quarter uh, four. Uh, my department, both myself and the Tornish were able to go on a number of trade missions and it's, when you go on these trade missions you see firsthand the real benefit that they are uh, in, in terms of promoting Irish businesses uh, internationally uh, and when you bring these Irish businesses on trade events, the business that they win uh, that supports their business at home it supports job creation, they're hugely important um, and I hope that uh, we will be able to recommence more of these uh, trade visits in
2: 2022. Um w- companies under pressure and while many people are pivoting, adapting and so on, uh, unfortunately um, more than normal perhaps, uh, smaller companies will be facing threats to their very existence and and many uh, commentators on business had uh, been critical of the framework that was in place, which was basically examinership or receivership. You made some important announcements during the week. Tell us about those.
1: Well, this week we commenced the summary rescue process. That is a a, a new administrative process uh, which mirrors the examinership process without the need of court supervision. Uh, This new process, because there's no need for court supervision uh, will be much more uh, timely and much cheaper to administer Um, and therefore it's going to benefit uh, small and micro companies. Uh, The examinership process in Ireland was always held up internationally as a very good model uh, to restructure a company. But because of the costs associated with it, it quite often was prohibitive for smaller companies. This new summary rescue process uh, is designed specifically for small companies, for companies with less than 50 employees and less than an, uh, an annual turnover of less uh, than 12 million per annum. Um, it will be done under the supervision of uh, process advisor, it will be done in consultation uh, with the creditors, uh, and it can be done fully completed uh, within seven days. So what I would be saying to people out there, if you have a small business, if you are um, in trading difficulty, but in normal circumstances, you would be um, okay, or there is a reasonable prospect of survival this is something you should look at to enter this restructuring process, to engage with your creditors, negotiate a write down, come out from a shroud of, of debt uh, and restart, protect your business. And by protecting the business, uh, you're protecting the jobs that you support also. It, it's, it's much shorter than the examinership process. Uh, so it's more timely. And because there is no need when everybody agrees for court supervision, uh, it's more cost efficient, uh, efficient as well. So on average, you're looking at potentially a cost of €10,000. Now, that can vary, obviously, uh, if, if the SQ process is more complex, if there's more creditors, uh, it, it may be more expensive. Uh, But an examinership process on average is €100,000, so there's a huge savings there. uh, And it will be to the benefit of small and micro companies uh, who have a reasonable prospect of survival, but because before this new process came in, they wouldn't have had uh, the resources to go through an examinership. Mm. Um, Now they can go through the summary rescue process. Uh, and by doing so they can protect their business and in protecting their business they're protecting the jobs that they support as well. And I just make the point that you know, this didn't come about while it commenced this week uh, that, that was after 18 months of, of a lot of work consultation with the various key stakeholders uh, the, the groups representing businesses like ISME were very vocal on this uh, IBEC, Small Firms Association Irish Congress of Trade Unions the Revenue Commissioners Department uh, of Social Protection and indeed going through the, the legislative process in the houses of Neuroctis also. Uh, so there was widespread buy into this, there was widespread acknowledgement uh, that this is needed um, and thankfully now it's up and operational since last Wednesday.
2: Uh, good news for the companies who benefit from the restructuring and the and the protections and so on. But um, creditors, I'm sure, uh, people who would be thinking that like I'm owed money that by companies uh, that may avail of this, uh, how, what protections are there for creditors?
1: Well, there's two protections primarily for creditors. One is uh, that the creditors, the rescue process, the creditors must come out better. Than if the company went into liquidation. uh, And that's number one. And secondly, uh, the creditors are key to this. They're part of the negotiations. And if after the proposed solution uh, is put to the creditors, the creditors do have an opportunity, uh, if they feel that the process or the solution is not to their advantage. They can refer it to the court system uh, for a second opinion. So there's two primar- primary um, primary uh, uh, protections there uh, for the creditors because, and rightly so, because the creditors the creditors are actually businesses as well. Also, so it's important that um, the creditors have have those protections.
2: Also, some uh, safeguards I'm reading against um, irresponsible and dishonest director behaviour. That's very important as well. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, like, I mean, we have, uh, we have ensured that uh, there's responsibilities on the directors to operate in a legal manner. And if the problem advisor who comes in um, experiences that dis- our directors aren't are operating in good faith, well, then there is penalties there. And that's, that, that is very important also.
2: Mm. Uh, a thing you often hear from business is that they they complain about the burden of regulation and the burden of bureaucracy and so on. This seems a good example of um, actually government taking a look, talking to the stakeholders and simplifying things. Are there any other areas you'd like to target?
1: Well, certainly, you know, I made this my priority uh, when I was appointed Minister of State uh, with responsibility for company law. I saw that there was a need for this uh, before ever we had uh, a global pandemic pandemic, and before ever we had the level of restrictions on business that we faced in the last 18 months, uh, there has always been a need for a simplified rescue process for small businesses. It never has been there before and I'm thankful now after 18 months working with the key stakeholders that we do have a simplified rescue process to protect our small and micro businesses. There are other areas Uh, that I'm looking at, one of the other areas I'm looking to bring in a reform is in relation to the Personal personal Injuries Assessment Board, uh, to make that more fit for purpose, to ensure that more legitimate insurance claims can be dealt with through the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. Again, uh, alleviating the need to go to court and ensuring that it can be done in a timely and more efficient uh, manner. I'm looking at... um, some other areas in in, in relation to company law uh, in terms of uh, the audit exemptions for smaller businesses. Uh, I'm looking at uh, reforming consumer protection law and that's something that we will be hopefully publishing early in the new year. So there's a number of reforms undergoing in my department uh, and I look forward to I suppose bringing them into the public domain as they are ready.
2: Mm, uh, You you talked about this being a long-term objective of yours. Um, You've brought it about following consultation and so on. You've been in government coming up. I'm not too... can't remember. I think it's about 18 months. What have you learned from the process and how can that be applied to the other areas of reform that you mentioned?
1: Well, I think uh, working together with the key stakeholders is uh, beneficial. Um, I think working and putting a timeline on any objective that you have and working to that timeline is also very beneficial. Uh, What's measured can be delivered. Uh, I think uh, when you do that, you you can achieve results. And I think this is a a testament and an example of where working with key stakeholders put in a timeline in place uh, that we have uh, made a real achievement. And this new legislation and the commencement of it this week is going to make uh, a very important difference to small businesses. And that's the beauty about um, you know being, to, being in government that you are able to make a difference uh, to to the people that you represent
2: that's uh, minister robert troy the minister of state with responsibility for company law talking to us about the new simplified scheme for small and medium-sized companies uh, seeking to restructure we'll be back talking about the motor industry in carlock Kilkenny after these
1: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you
0: with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the South East.
2: Now, the motor industry is a very significant employer in this area and a huge contributor to economic activity and it's relevant really to every family and business. As we approach the end of 2021, we thought it'd be a good idea to see how the motor industry is faring in Carlow and Kakenny after another turbulent year in our view anyway. Well, shortly I'll be joined by Rowena Dooley, dealer principal at Dooley Motors in Carlow. But first, before I came on air, I spoke with James Walsh of Walsh's Toyota in Kakenny. James is the third generation to run the business, which started in 1928 repairing Model T, Zephyrs and Studebakers. Uh, long way from that we all are now. Well I started by asking James for his thoughts on the year just passed in the motor industry. An extraordinary year
4: um, an extraordinary two years really um, so you know very difficult for anyone in business and anyone in, in retail business um, now we we were in lockdown last year so i would say we take this year over last year Do you know we 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 managed to to keep going to keep serving the customers and i suppose with the vaccines and everything else in place that, that people were able to come in with masks and and certainly in the mid year and we were able to have a business year um last year it looked like the world had stopped in in april and may um uh, it had so uh yeah no i, I think i think we've we, we've maybe normalized things a little bit with uh, you know got vaccines got got better able to manage things ourselves as a society and as businesses and um so we we we're working and we're able to work
2: mm, uh, but as well as covid there are other factors which impact on business as well take brexit for example i believe that's changed business somewhat tell us about that
4: Yeah, there's huge pressure from Brexit on supply chains um, out of the UK and through the UK. Um, So things have gone out from being overnight delivery or two or three day delivery to six weeks. And and everyone has to plan and work around that. And the other thing is, is a a huge change in in the car business in Ireland is that the UK cars are no longer attractive price wise to bring them in. Um, that's second-hand cars um, because there's duty to be paid, and equally, the shortage of supply in in the UK's own domestic market has meant that you know the the cars aren't surplus. They're they're expensive in the UK anyway. So the the impact of that is that the the car market, the used car market in Ireland, has been very strong this year for demand from. You know, Irish sourced cars, trade in cars that dealers would have, and that has been um, hugely uh, huge support in the year that we were able to trade, give customers value for money on their new car, with confidence that you know you we could we could um, sell that car and not be undercut by the fellow down the road from the, getting the car from the UK for you know three or four grand less or whatever.
2: Mm. And and you talked about the six weeks lead time. That really must make maintaining cars and so on, uh, where you're dependent on parts in the UK
4: or coming through the UK, very complex. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are cases, you know, where cars are, are disabled for that period of time. Now, I think distributors in Ireland um, have built up their stock Unusually um, to, to cope with that kind of lead time, but there are cases where you're, you're now waiting for for parts, and you wouldn't have been previously. And cars, do you know what I mean? We the supply of vehicles themselves has gone out. Um, it is a slightly next question in a sense, but the supply of cars for January, for example, I'd say that um, three or four manufacturers have good supply or, or nearly 90% supply and the other half the, of the manufacturers have virtually no supply. It's mm. incredible.
2: We talked last week on the programme about supply chains and the whole impact of the shortage of uh, microprocessors uh, and so on. Is that likely to see maybe a change in the in the ebb and flow of your sales year? Traditionally I, I suppose motor sales would be you know, 2021 first period around January and then the 2nd July piece. Do you think there'll be changes in that?
4: everybody's chasing the same component and it's all to do with electrification of of be it p v panels um phones laptops motorcars. Uh, motor cars they're all chasing the same components so I suppose the, there's a lag in the ramp of of, of production of those uh, microprocessors um The other thing is that in September and october a lot of the, some of the countries in the far east producing components have been closed due to a fourth wave of covid that we're just experiencing and um so that's created um the two of those things the microprocessor and the fact that component factories were closed is is creating a kind of a, a 6 month delay on 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 production so the uh, forecast is that by mid year 2022 production will be up and running to 100%. Mm. Uh, your company uh, in
2: 1976 was Thomastown Garage and it became uh, one of the first Toyota dealers in Ireland. You're still Toyota dealers. How's the future looking for Toyota and, and your business as we head into 2022?
4: Yeah, we were the one of the first 12 dealers jumped um, from the time in, in 1976. And uh, with Dinjo, if the older people might remember Dinjo, he was a, a, a businessman and comedian and a personality. We we have been with Toyota all that time. They're a, a fantastic uh, brand, world's number one car manufacturer. They're loyal to their dealer networks, suppliers, and that's that's sort of in return. Where you know there's, they create a, 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 a um, culture of loyalty back. So Toyota. Um, the products at the moment are uh, the be- is the more more attractive than they 've ever been because Akio Toyota, the grandson uh, took over a number of years ago and decided to make more sort of design you know sport friendly vehicles. he himself as a as a test driver um, Toyota and Panasonic and the Japanese government have invested eleven billion in the future. Uh, which is for electrification and batteries is solid state batteries and our whole focus is is what they call T25 so the the Toyota um, product strategy is centred around t- 2025 2026 and the launch of vehicles with solid state batteries the, that battery technology and I think a lot of other industries are waiting on it as well, PV panels and other things is will give you uh, 600 kilometer uh, range on your electric car, and a 15 minute charge. So it's it's going to radically change the 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 way uh, cars are driven, uh, purchased, owned. Everything. It's 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 going to be fantastic, and it's it'll radically change the type of car that's bought because it'll 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 outperform all other types of vehicle. That's uh, James Walsh from Walsh's
2: Toyota in Kilkenny, speaking to me uh, yesterday uh, about how his business and indeed uh, the motor business in Kilkenny has been doing. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Rowena Dooley, who's dealer principal in Dooley Motors in Carlow, uh, to talk about her business and the motor trade. Good morning, Rowena.
5: Good morning John.
2: Yeah. Um, Thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Um James is sounding reasonably uh positive. How are things uh for your business, uh Ford Main Dealers of course and Kia? Uh, how's twenty twenty one been? Twenty
5: twenty one on the whole has been a good year, um, despite all the challenges on a couple of different fronts, but overall good 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 year for us um Sales-wise, in our retail end, as you say, key and Ford, and also in our test centre and in after-sales. So, despite the challenges that were there, but we 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 kept the head, as they say, and uh, we we, we've got through it, and very happy. Our we're on target and looking forward to next year.
2: Yeah, if you were to wind back uh, two years when we were on the verge of going into when we would have been in 2019, um, if you were told about you know selling cars over video and all that kind of stuff would you have believed it
5: absolutely not and would have thought how can we get through that or how would we survive particularly you know there were periods over the last 18 months when we were closed closed you know gates crossed, gates crossed over closed closed open or closed i should say mm. so it, it's been very challenging but as you say we've moved Part of our business online, who certainly brought ourselves into the 21st century, and how to source vehicles and sell vehicles remotely, and uh, also just adapted. And I think that's like every other business uh, that wants to get through this; just have to continue to adapt and meet with the, the meet the challenge head on. See what we can do to overcome it, and meet with what our customers' expectations are
2: yeah now when james talked there about electric vehicles uh, and so on Uh, what's the story have you seen any changes over the past year a lot of talk about you know the environment and the climate crisis how are motorists responding to that
5: yeah definitely very positively um on the on the sort of broader scale this year so far has been one hundred and five thousand approximately new cars registered this year uh, and unfortunately, proportionately, the electric vehicle element or segment is quite small. It only represent about 8% of it for year to date. It was about 8,500 vehicles. But we're certainly seeing it on the ground over the last two to three months, a huge interest in electric vehicles and people really realising that the transition is happening. And whether it's the next car they buy is going to be electric or possibly the one after. It's not the right choice for everyone right at this point, moment in time. Uh, based on budget or based on your mileage, but it's certainly the way we're all going to be moving towards, and people are realising that. And maybe uh, you know, infrastructure and things around the country are are falling into line or coming on target. They can see it, and, you know, that's going to help. Along with that, government supports are there to uh, assist people with their home charger and, obviously, with the purchase of the car. So it's important those supports stay in place mm. uh, to bring us towards this uh, grandiose target that the government has for their um, climate action plan for 2030. But we're getting there. It mightn't be as accelerated as they expect it to be, but we are getting there. We're seeing particularly in Kiev for us um the uh, full electric vehicle is becoming, um, uh, it, it, the percentage of orders for that is really increased.
2: Mm. Well, uh, so reasons to be cheerful. You sound optimistic as we head into 2022.
5: Oh, definitely we are, John, definitely. Great team in place here and uh, a great product lineup. And thankfully, demand seems to be strong consumer sentiment is strong um, and as long as I say the government continue with the supports in place for electric vehicles, we will as a, as a nation get there um, over the next years. it's going to be transitional, a bit bumpy uh, along the ride and supply is obviously going to be the challenge for next year but as James sort of outlined it should sort itself out by the middle of next year mm. and we'll have a more sort of uh, evenly spread year as opposed to January being forty percent of our business, you know, which maybe not, it maybe not be a bad
2: thing. Every cloud has a silver lining. Well, Ruina, yeah. thanks very much uh, for joining us this morning on the program.
5: Thanks for having me, John. Take Pleasure.
2: Care. That was Ruina Dooley, who's dealer principal with Dooley Motors in Carlisle We're back, and we're going to be talking positivity, focus, and personal well-being. <laughs> You're very welcome back. You're listening to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, focus and mental clarity are huge ingredients for business success, and that's never easy. But in the midst of a pandemic, with the constant shifts and changes facing everyone in business, employees, managers and owners alike, not to mention uh, us as private individuals in the general population, that's a tall order. And getting one's state of mind right is essential to survival success. And perhaps most importantly, Personal health and well being. Joining me on the line is Caroline Cunningham, who's a wellness coach who works with people on developing their personal resilience in the face of the various challenges which we all face. Caroline, good morning.
0: Good morning, John. Nice to be on talking with you.
2: Yeah, it's a a challenging time, isn't it? But um, there is a toolbox that people can use to build their resilience.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um, like this is winter time as well, John, so there are additional uh, challenges that a lot of people will be facing. Like, for example, our biological clock goes out of quack when we don't get enough daylight, and we're, we're heading towards the shortest day of the year now. Um, so there's lots of things impacting uh, people's productivity, um, especially if you've had, you know, losses and griefs, grieving um, experiences along the way, which a lot of people have had during mm. this time. Um, so coming into Christmas... We're still having to go strong at, you know, keeping our with our goals and stuff, but we just have these extra challenges along the way. So I just have a couple of tips uh for people. Um being forewarned is being forearmed and um, I kinda liken it to um, you know, you have to think to yourself, are you going to be a family sedan or are you gonna be a Formula One huh. uh, you know, kinda racing car? We were talking about you were talking about motors with uh, you know, James uh, yeah, yeah. There, you talk about keeping maintaining the car. It's like that. We have to keep the eye on the ball of how we are, and and,
2: and, and that's very important mentally because it's not just yeah. kind of um, you know making sure your leg isn't broken or you having a sore arm yeah. or something. Your your like, mind uh, is a your mind has to be kept fit too.
0: Exactly, um, our kids they uh, play Minecraft and um, they, they at least they can see on their screen that they've got all these hunger bars and if they see them going down, they have to eat something in the game to not take any damage, but we don't see our hunger bars or, you know, the equivalent of our health and Mm. well-being going up or down. We're not usually looking at ourselves. There are a lot of people, I would say, you know, they're not looking. They're looking outward, but not looking inward, and they tend to push themselves. And when it comes to when they actually get the break, like, you know, they're coming up to the holidays, they spend a lot of time being sick at the very beginning. Instead of enjoying, you know, with their families, they end up being sick. So a couple of tips, I just want to, um, you know, give people things that you can do for yourself. Um, For example, um, you know, in the morning time, if it's hard getting up, go to bed a little bit earlier. You know, um, factor in some extra downtime at night uh, so that you do get a better sleep. Maybe do something different with your morning routine.
2: Yeah, morning Um, routine is very important, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is because you know we all have things that make us get up out of bed in the morning. But it's just that when we have these extra uh, challenges of feeling tired in the winter time, um, you know, maybe our mood is a little bit low because we're not getting enough melatonin or serotonin, you know, at this time of the year. Um, you know just doing these little extra things can make difference putting cardamom in your coffee for example having extra cuddles with your loved ones who probably need some more at this time too mm. and um you know get extra daylight you know go outside when you can um get lunchtime just to get a little bit of extra light
2: um, not everyone has a loved one though at the same time that they true. might be in a position to have the old proverbial exactly. quote-unquote cuddle what do they do
0: well, myself in the past, when I did, when I was sort of, you know, without the cuddle factor, I'd be like, I, I used to go somewhere different and meet new people. It's different, of course, in COVID. You might not feel like going too far. But just getting out and going somewhere different, being open to meeting new people. Um, You know, I used to go to the Algarve now and again um, for Christmas, actually. You know, I, I just didn't like being around at Christmas time and um, it, it goes on for two months for a starters yeah. so, and there's all this extra pressure that you have to be happy and I just thought, no, I just want to be normal.
2: Yeah, now <laughs> so Caroline I, tell I'm, us, um, you run a, a Focus for Success programme and you have a, an e-book yeah. and, and all that, just briefly tell us about that.
0: Okay, well I have, um, I do a six week wellness, personalised wellness coaching programme but for people who want to kind of do something by themselves or maybe they only need a little bit of extra uh, support and they can do by themselves so I have a six-week uh, program that you can do um, just like, you, know, you get an ebook, you get some workbooks, um, you got a lot of extra supportive uh, tips through email sequence as well. Um, but there's actually a free guide at the moment as well, um, Folks for Success, Kickstarter guide. So They're all on my website, carolinecunningham.com, if anybody wants to check that out.
2: Yeah, so it's a good time of the year as well to start thinking ahead and turning over new leaves, the famous yeah. slash infamous New Year's resolutions. But there, there is a lot in it, and you can yeah. reboot yourself for the new year.
0: Yeah, and, there's, you know, you can, like the person, um, like uh, Minister Troy was saying there, restructuring their, your schedule even, you know, can make a huge difference, um, you know, to your life at this time of the year. It is being forewarned and being forewarned. If you know that this time of the year you know you might have some extra challenges for yourself then that's that's the thinking is to you know use that knowledge of yourself and Mm. do something to support yourself um you know
2: so as well as putting time into your profit and loss your business structure and all that put some time into yourself
0: yeah it's very very important to switch off and you know you can use your exercise routine for example to switch off you don't have to be lying down doing a meditation for half an hour you can factor that into your exercise routine like a walking meditation for yeah, yeah.
2: example Well Caroline um, a pleasure talking to you maybe we talk to you again in the new year yeah. when people are really trying to turn over that proverbial new leaf
0: I look forward to that John and happy Christmas to you all
2: indeed, thank you very much, that's Caroline Cunningham uh, there and you can check out her work on carolinecunningham.com unfortunately that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line if you have any comments or ideas, email us at the Bottom Line at kclr96fm.com don't forget you can listen back to this or any episode on the KCLR app or on a range of podcast options, just search for The Bottom Line on KCLR thank you to all our guests this week Tom Malloy, Minister Robert Troy, Michael Walsh, Rowena Dooley and Caroline Cunningham thanks to dear the drummy who produces the show thanks to you for listening we'll be back next saturday just after nine with the last bottom line before christmas and of 2021 i do hope you'll join us then in the meantime stay safe stay sensible and stay tuned to casey Laura. keep your distance keep doing your best and keep the faith
1: the Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad
3: range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the South